Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's the final hour of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. If you're out here on the West Coast, much like myself, a happy Saturday to you. If you're out there on the East Coast, well, it's been Saturday for three hours and you're wondering where in the heck is the NFL talk. Have no fear. We're going to be breaking down both of these NFL games here in this segment. In the final segment, we're going to be tying a bow around a little bit of everything. Just giving you guys what I like, refreshing the New York Post play that I wanted pitting upon in hour two. And if you want to missing that, vcin.com slash podcast. The Greg Peterson experience d- tries to do its best with regards to providing all this. And hey, Ghost to Ghost Hoops has you covered as well. That is part of the VEASAN family of podcasts as well. So we've got you covered on a little bit of everything in this final hour right here on the Greg Peterson experience. But first things first, got to be hitting upon the NFL. If there's any college basketball game that might be a little bit more off the beaten path that you want me to cover, tweet it in at GRN Scorty1. I'll get you covered a little bit later on here in the show. But now the early and the late game have been a little bit flipped with regards to the NFL, so we'll go with the early game first. As out there in the AFC between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. Broncos opened up right around a 10-ish point underdog. You wind up seeing this get to 11 in a lot of spots. Now we're seeing at DraftKings a 10 out there. Most other places are a 10.5. Your tallest game is anywhere between 44.5 and 45.5. And, and when it comes to this game, I personally want to have taken a little bit north of 10 when it came to the Denver Broncos. You were seeing quite a few 11s out there. I wound up gobbling up one of those. Now we're seeing mostly, like I said, 10 and Fs in a lot of these spots. But when it comes to the Denver Broncos, I think that you're going to have a lot of pride when it comes to this team. Obviously, they are not going to be able to go to the postseason. But I still have my question marks when it comes to this Kansas City Chiefs team. They have been able to do a very solid job with regards to their defense. They wound up having those cataclysmically bad first five weeks of the season. Then... Since then, they've really been a top five defense in darn near every category in the NFL. But with that said, with Kansas City Chiefs, I do somewhere on this team a little bit because you're going to have Clyde Edwards-Alaire out of the fold once again. I mean, whenever he's been out there, he has been rock solid for this Kansas City Chiefs team. He wound up missing last week, and it looks like he's going to be out once again. A guy that had been able to get the team five touchdowns in the last five games that he had played in, so that's a little bit of a loss. And now the Kansas City Chiefs become a little bit more one-dimensional against a Broncos team, which they've got a relatively solid secondary. Bradley Chubb is back in that front seven as well, so I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue for the Kansas City Chiefs. When it comes to the Chiefs, you really don't have a lot of guys with Big, massive roster incentives. I know that this is a big thing when it comes to taking a look at props, but 
When I take a look at what the Denver Broncos is that this has actually been the best under team in all the NFL. They have played 12 unders of four overs, so they certainly have been able to do a nice job there. And I do think that that trend is going to continue because you do have a guy in Patrick Mahomes that certainly has been able to pick it up a little bit more recently, but he's really been able to do his best work whenever Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been out there now with Mahomes, only one interception thrown in the last three weeks. And we've seen him really be able to find it, 31-plus points in each of the last four weeks as well. But I do think that this Broncos secondary is going to be able to do a solid job of holding up in this game because, I mean, you've got Tyreek Hill, you've got Travis Kelsey. Kelsey has been a little bit banged up this season, but, I mean, you take a look at it, and I air quotes here, down year for Kelsey. That's right now, 88 catches, nearly 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. It's been absolutely masterful to watch him just all throughout his career, three touchdowns in the last two weeks. I do think that the Denver Broncos and their ability to be able to cover tight ends going to be able to come through in this one, but you just take a look at the rest of this Chiefs team. I mean, Byron Pingle, Mikkel Hardman. These guys have not necessarily been able to do much for the team. I know that they wound up kicking the tires on Mr. Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon is now a complete and utter afterthought when it comes to this team as well. So that's a little bit of an issue. And then you take a look at Tyreek Hill. Hill has been nothing short of amazing for the team. I mean, we're going to call it what it is. But, I mean, he's had a couple clunkers recently. He wound up having that two-catch game against Pittsburgh. He wound up having just two catches the last time these two teams wound up scoring off as well. And in that last game... The Broncos were able to do a really good job of being able to hold up as well. That was a 22-9 loss in which Patrick Mahomes completed right around 50% of his passes. Unlike the last game that these two teams wound up playing as well, you're not going to have Teddy Bridgewater out there. Bridgewater wound up throwing two interceptions in that game, and in that game, you did wind up having Javante Williams rush for 100 yards, which that certainly is not going to be happening in this one. you got to figure that Melvin Gordon is going to be seeing the bulk of the touches, and for Melvin Gordon, it certainly has been a little bit of tough sledding for him. Someone who has been able to give you right around four yards per carry, but I mean, he's really fallen out of favor for Mr. Williams, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. Now, ever since that 100-yard game for Williams, it has been a big, giant fall-off. He has literally seen his rushing yards fall in four out of the last five weeks. He didn't have anywhere to go from the Las Vegas Raiders game, in which he wound up having seven carries for 12 yards and had 30 rush yards last week, but certainly has been little bit of tough going for him recently, but I do think that this is a Broncos team that they are going to be able to hold up against this secondary and the front seven of the Kansas City Chiefs. And what I think is going to be really key for the Denver Broncos, just being able to have the weapons utilized by Drew Locke. Drew Locke wound up being, I think, it, I think the proper way of putting it was thrusted into the starting role a little bit too early last year. Him being able to sit, I would argue, is a little bit of a good thing. Now, it's not like he's been necessarily gunning it down the field much in the couple starts that he's gotten, but he's been able to do a good job of being able to take what the defense has given him while completing 68% of his passes against the Las Vegas Raiders, more like 72% last week against the Chargers. Not a guy that has been willing to let it rip, which has been a little bit against his MO from what we wound up seeing from him in Missouri. I do think that he's going to try to find maybe someone like a Jerry Judy on a little bit of a long streak in this game. And then when it comes to Broncos, I do think that they're going to be able to do a good job of just continuing on what we've been seeing from them all year long. Now, they do have some injuries in the secondary. Patrick Sertan, Kareem Jackson, Ronald Darby, quite a few of these guys have been out for quite a while, but they've been taking more and more injuries. But guys like Merck, Mike Purcell and company, I think are going to be able to do a good job getting some pressure on Patrick Mahomes. That'll allow the Kansas City, the Denver Broncos to save life. Also keep in mind, this is a early January game out there in Denver. It's going to be a little bit frigid. It's going to be a little bit more of an element style game. The Kansas City Chiefs, no doubt they're used to it quite a bit, but 
I take a look at this spot. I think that you're getting good value here with the Denver Broncos at a 10 and a half. So I'm willing to take the points. And I think that the trend of the Denver Broncos playing a bunch of unders, it is going to withhold, taking a look at an under as well. And then the other game that we're going to be seeing on Saturday, that is the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Right now, the Cowboys are finding themselves right across the board, a four-point favorite. And your total on this game, you're getting it anywhere between a 43 and a 43 and a half. With the Dallas Cowboys, I do like this total over. I do recognize that Tony Pollard is going to be out the fold for this Dallas Cowboys team. But when it comes to Dallas Cowboys, you're also going to have one of your best secondary pieces out as well. Travion Diggs, he has officially been ruled out for this game. Meanwhile, you do take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is a bunch of which they're dealing with a whole bunch of guys in the backfield who are going to be out the fold. So that's not necessarily ideal for Jalen Hurts. As you're going to have Miles Sanders along with Boston Scott and Jordan Howard of the fold. So you got to figure that it's going to be a lot of Kenneth Gainwell and obviously a lot of Jalen Hurts being able to air it out now. Dallas Goddard, he is also going to be out of the fold. As if you take a look at this Philadelphia Eagles team, it is a little bit of a mash unit, but I feel like you're able to say that for both the offensive side of the ball for the Philadelphia Eagles and also the Cowboys on defense. So I do think that this is a little bit more of a wash than what might be let on by this line because I mean if both of these teams will be at full strength I'm sure that the total will be a little bit higher but you take a look at this Dallas Cowboys team you've got Jerron Kears who's going to be out of the full you've got Anthony Brown out you've got Micah Parsons out I mentioned Diggs as well Jabril Cox is still on injured reserve so I mean this is a Cowboys team in which you still have that front seven with guys like Randy Gregory and company who are able to rush who are able to rush Jalen Hurts but Man, this is a team that can really be had in the secondary. And for the Dallas Cowboys, you are dealing with a little bit of an injury to Michael Gallup. He's on injured reserve, but you still have out there C.D. Lamb along with Amari Cooper. You've had Dak Prescott really be dealing with a bunch of injuries when it comes to his receivers. I mean, Lamb, Cooper, and Gallup have all dealt with injuries all season long, so this is something that is nothing new to him. Now, Ezekiel Elliott has always been a little bit more effective whenever Tony Pollard is able to take the load off of him, but I do think that Corey Clement, the backup running back for the Dallas Cowboys, he's going to be able to see a couple carries in this game. Clement has actually been a serviceable running back throughout his career, a guy that has just not really done much this year. We're going to call it what it is, but I do think that he winds up seeing a couple touches. I think that he's going to be able to do a solid job against Philadelphia Eagles team that they themselves have a deal with quite a few injuries. It's a Philadelphia Eagles team that has really been able to base themselves around the offensive side of the ball recently. Jalen Hurts being able to come into his own now with Jalen Hurts. Big issue with him early on the season was turnovers. He's done a much better job of being able to rein it in recently after that three interception game that we wound up seeing against the New York Giants right around Thanksgiving time. He has thrown just one interception ever since then, so I think that that's going to be very key for him now. He only completes right around 61% of his passes overall for the season, but last three weeks, that has certainly risen as well, so I do like what I'm seeing out of him. You've still got Devontae Smith along with Quez Watkins who are going to be out there. I think both of these guys are going to be able to go off, and Jalen Rager has been a hot and cold guy. He's had some big games. He's had some clunkers as well. I think that this could be a spot in which he does wind up moving a little bit more, especially with the fact that now Dallas Goddard is going to be out of the fold for the team. And then you take a look at the defensive side of the ball for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mentioned it a little bit earlier with what you're going to be having with Dak Prescott and Fletcher Cox. He is going to be out, so that is certainly very big. And you've also got Ronnie McLeod, who's going to be out as well. Marcus Epps is going to be out. So you've got a lot of secondary ailments when it comes to this Philadelphia Eagles team as well. So even though you've got a lot of offensive pieces, they're going to be out on both sides. You've got to be taking into account a lot of the defensive pieces. They're going to be out as well. This is a little bit of a mash unit for both of these teams, but 
I do think that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be able to get good pressure on Jalen Hurts. I think that this is going to be turning into a circumstance in which Jalen Hurts is just going to have to throw the ball for just all humanity. You've got Lane Johnson who's dealing with a little bit of injury. You've got pretty much half the offensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles that is going to be banged up. So you've got to figure that it's going to be a lot of quick passes for this Philadelphia Eagles team without having Travion Diggs out there. That is certainly going to be helping out the Eagles and being able to air the ball out. So I do take a look at this spot, and I think that there's good value here on the over, but I do think that the Dallas Cowboys, with having out there still Zeke, CeeDee Lamb, all these guys, that they are going to be able to get the job done on offense. I think that they're going to be able to go off for 28-plus in this game. So I take a look at this Cowboys versus Eagles game, taking a look at the over, and I'm taking a look at the Dallas Cowboys. I'm also taking a look at a whole lot of college basketball for this Saturday. We're going to be hitting upon what we what we're all seeing on the betting board and give you guys a picks and analysis next right here on Decent Esports Betting Network. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zikazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my day. <laughs> <laughs> Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcenter.com to be able to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature allows you insight as to where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every single game. And that is it. Beeson.com. As we're back here in a lovely Las Vegas, more specifically the Circus Sportsbook and Resort for the Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson. Hit on both NFL games, 
in the last segment and have no fear in the final segment i'll refresh what i like in both of those games and also be giving out what i've got in the new york post for this saturday as well but we've got a jam-packed day of college basketball as well and we've got something very interesting that is going to be going down as well you're going to be noticing that there's going to be a few games without lines because for one if you're noticing the ivy league games they do not have lines typically you're going to find this back-to-back games as we remember from last year typically you don't wind up getting lines on these until the very early a.m i remember circa ironically enough where i'm at right now they would occasionally post up some very very early lines but right now they are completely involved in football and we've also got the same for this southland tip-off tournament it's a really unique one i wish more conferences wound up doing something like this i know that i had one of you guys wind up tweeting in a perhaps breakdown for what we've got with Nichols versus Southeast Louisiana, which is going to be the title game of this one. Like I said, you're not going to be finding any numbers on this. I am taking a look, and there is no place on planet Earth that does wind up having these. And if you're taking a look at the betting board, this is going to be 306-061, But when it comes to this Southland final, I did wind up saying Nichols has a six and a half point favorite. Now Ty Gordon has been missing from the team for a little bit, so that is a bit of an issue. But I take a look at Nichols, and I think that they are hands down the best team in this conference. I wound up saying them number one coming into the season with regards to my projector or finish in the Southland, and I've seen no reason to deviate from it. Keep in mind, this is a Nichols team that, granted, it was without Johnny Davis, but they came within three points of being able to knock off Wisconsin. This is a team that has really been able to do a good job in recent years of being able to generate some nice upsets. So it's a bunch of which I really do like because they've actually rated in the top 10 with regards to steals per game in three out of the last four seasons. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Southeast Louisiana team and Ryan Burkhart, who winds up coming in from North Florida, to be able to get the same 10 points per game. But the real two guys, Gus Okafer, Keon Clergeau, have been able to give you right around 26 points per game. Clergeau winds up coming in from UMass. But I do think that they're going to have their hands full with a Nichols team that even without Ty Gordon, they've got some relatively solid three-point shooters. A guy that really stepped up in his absence yesterday against Texas A&M Corpus Christi is Pierce Pierce Spencer, a guy that's been able to give you right around seven points, five and a half rebounds, two and a half assists per game. He's shooting in the neighborhood of about 33% for three-point range. And this is a Nichols team that still has been able to do a great job. I'll be able to force quite a few turnovers against Corpus Christi yesterday. They did a great job being able to generate right around 18 of them. Obviously, it's hard to give you as much of set picks when you don't wind up having numbers up on these, but Nichols has been a top 75 team year in and year out with regards to possessions per game. Southeast Louisiana, this is a team that they're looking to gun it quite a bit as well. When you take a look at things on a possessions per game basis, when it comes to Southeast Louisiana, this is a team that they rank right around 80th. So I do think that you're going to see a little bit more of an up-tempo game. As a result, I wound up setting my total in this game more around a 150 and a half. Of Nichols, I'll be feeling comfortable laying six half or less with them. Like I said, this is including Ty Gordon, who is most likely going to be out of the fold in this game. So it's going to be very intriguing to take a look at that one. When it comes to college basketball, it's a all-day event as well, which is something that I absolutely do love about this. So how about if we just wind up picking a game at random? Because we've hit on some mid-majors, we've hit on some power games. How about if we wind up going to the ACC? 627, 628, you've got Syracuse taking on Wake Forest. Wake Forest opened up a four-point favorite. Still seeing quite a few fours out there. If you're seeing a four, you should consider yourself lucky because a lot of these places have went to four and a half on this game. Total is anywhere between 154 and 155. And I've been very bullish on this Wake Forest team, and I think that they should be able to get the job done once again. Wound up setting them as a six-point favorite. And you've got Williams Square, Alondis Williams, and Davion Williamson. Williamson wound up following his coach in Steve Forbes from East Tennessee State. 
has been a north of 40% three-point shooter, a guy that's able to give you right around 12 to 13 points per game. And then Alondis Williams has been one of the most meaningful players to his respective team in all of college basketball. Guy that's able to give you 21 points, a little bit over five rebounds, five assists per game, has been able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range. And you take a look at this Wake Forest team, and I think that they're all the more dangerous with Kadeem Sai being able to bust out. He's been able to give the team more rebounds, had a very good game against Florida State. He wound up having a double-digit amount of rebounds in that game. And then you take a look at Syracuse, and you've got each out of your top four scores giving you at least a seal per game, and three of those four have been able to shoot very well from three-point range at north of 36%. Cole Swider has been able to shoot just below 40% from three, a guy that comes in from Villanova at six foot nine has been able to give the team right around 12 points per game, seven rebounds. So I do like what he's able to bring to the table. And then Joe Girard is about as automatic as it gets at the free throw line, shooting over 85% the free throw line, 12 plus points per game. And then you've got Bayheim cubed because you've got Jim Bayheim, the coach, Buddy Bayheim, and then Jimmy Bayheim. Jimmy has been a little bit of a lesser scorer, but has been a little bit more efficient from three-point range, shooting over 40%. Buddy Bayheim shoots more like 32-ish percent from three-point range, but has been able to give the team 18 points per game, and I think that they're going to have a tough time against this Wake Forest team and for Syracuse. What has been really tough for them is that they just don't have a lot of depth. You're looking for someone like a Frank Anselm to be able to step up, give this team a little bit more off the bench. Now, Jesse Edwards has been able to do a good job. He's able to chip in there right around 11 points. He's able to chip in there six plus rebounds per game. So these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job. But I mean, when you're only able to go six deep, unlike a Wake Forest team that they're able to go eight, nine deep, someone like a Jake Lariva winds coming in from Indiana State has been great. Dallas Walton is a seven footer that's been able to pop threes. It makes it really difficult. I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of an up-tempo game, but at the same time, I think we've went a little bit too far with the total. You've got a Syracuse team that is shooting about 38% from three-point range. I think that you're going to see a little bit of regression there. Wake Forest is a team that I think is going to be able to improve on defense as the season goes along. Steve Forbes has always valued defense. So set this total at a 152.5. I'm going to be diving under. And with Wake Forest, I'm willing to lay up to a six with them. So we're going to be looking to lay the points here. A team that has been going through quite a bit with regards to COVID-19. As a matter of fact, both of these teams have been going through it with regards to COVID-19 protocols. That would be West Virginia and Kansas State. And we've seen a little bit of a move on this game. This is 631, 632 on the betting board. West Virginia opened up a seven-point favorite. You're now seeing them as an eight-point favorite. And your tallest game is between 130 and 131. What I think is really intriguing is that you've got a pair of teams that, let's call it what it is, they are not necessarily gunning it. You've got a West Virginia team that has been really slowing down their game with regards to Change in tempo. This has been one of the most drastic ones in all of college basketball. They have been 281st in the country with regards to possessions per game. And we always know what we can expect out of Kansas State. A very slow, methodical style. They are 269th in the country with that aspect. But both of these teams have been relatively solid. West Virginia, when they wound up playing against Texas last week, they had quite a few outs due to COVID-19 protocols. I know that Gabe Obashon was one of them. Their top scorer, the Tasmanian Taz Sherman, has been able to give you right around 20 points per game. He was out. These guys are expected to be back. So I think that that's going to be very impactful for this. Meanwhile, for Kansas State, Nigel Pack, he's backing it in. He's shooting over 40% from three-point range. Has been the team's top score. He's been able to shoot very well from the free throw line. Now, from all indications, it seems like some of the guys that were out due to health and safety protocols for Kansas State earlier this week, it seems like there's a good chance that, at the very least, some of these guys are going to be available. Now, I don't know if you're going to have all these guys that are going to be able to go back into just their normal roles, but it seems like Marquise Noel has a good chance of being able to play in this game. He is the top facilitator for this Kansas State team, so that is going to be very impactful. Now, when it comes to the rest of the guys that want to be out the full for Kansas State, it's just a little bit more of a 
situation in which you're going to need a little bit more depth because you've got Santel Miguel, Selton Miguel, who wound up being able to play in the last game, a guy that's able to give you right around eight points per game. And ironically enough, both of these teams want to face the gap against Texas. So the Longhorns got some very good breaks there. But when it comes to some of the other guys in this one, Mike McGurl is likely going to be out of the fold for this team. So that is going to be a little bit of an issue. But having back, having back Noel, I think, is going to be very impactful for this Kansas State team. But with that said, I had to sort of take a little bit of a middle approach with this. I personally do like West Virginia here at the eight. I want to make it my line eight personally. I want to playing a seven a little bit earlier on. If this winds up getting up to like an eight and a half or a nine, then I'd be taking a little bit more of a look at Kansas State at eight. I do wind up giving a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt to West Virginia in this spot. But what I really like here is the under as well, because I want to say this total at 124. You got a Kansas State team that has been dealing with quite a few ailments with regards to their team. You do have a guy in Mark Smith who's been able to shoot right around 37-ish percent from three-point range, has been the team's top rebounder, but I think that West Virginia, despite the fact that you don't have a single guy that gives you more than six rebounds per game, they're going to be able to do a good job on that side of it. Kansas State, they don't necessarily have that one dominant rebounder as well, so I do think that that's going to be an issue. We've got two teams that have been playing very slow, two teams that really have coaches that hang their head on defense. So I'm going to be taking a look at an under. And when it comes to this Kansas State team at eight, I would need to be getting a little bit more to be able to take the points with them, getting a little bit closer, but I am willing to still lay the eight here with West Virginia, pretty much where I want to making my line. And when it comes to the Big 12, we're going to be hitting up on, on the other side. This Oklahoma State versus Texas game, that is going to be a really intriguing one with Texas having faced a gallop against the two teams I wanted to mention who are going through COVID-19 protocols. So we're going to see how they're going to be matching up against a team that is at a little bit more full staff. Like I said, we've got a game that you'd like broken down on this show at QNNR Sporty One as it is Visa, the Sports Bank Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. If you miss any part of our show today or anything on the VSN schedule, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VSN.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, and 30 minutes ago, there was a new episode of Coast to Coast Soups with over 110 game breakdowns by Ayub Peterson and many more. They are all free and available now at beastin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Peterson, and we're taking a look at everything that we've got for this college basketball Saturday. And in the final segment as well, going to be refreshing the NFL picks I wanted giving up about 30 or so minutes ago, giving out my New York Post play of the day as well. If you want to missing that in the 11 o'clock hour Pacific time, 2 a.m. Eastern time hour, have no fear. We're going to be refreshing that. But I know that one of you guys, I believe it was Scott who tweeted me on Twitter, not Scott Seidenberg, who does a terrific job on the look at, but rather a Scott that follows me on Twitter was asking about this Clemson versus NC State game. We have not hit this one, so we're going to be hitting this one. And if you have any requests, at GRNScore D1, more than happy to hit on all these games. But you've got Clemson and NC State. Right now, Clemson find themselves 
in a lot of places a pick them. You're finding in a few other spots them be a one to one and a half point underdog. As this opened up a pick them, it seems to be moving a little bit in favor of NCC and your total on this game. And we're between 143 and a half and 144 and a half. And when it comes to the spot, I did wind up making this NC State a two point favorite. So I'm willing to lay the one to one and a half. Even at a two, I'd be willing to lay with NC State because I do think that NC State is going to have the best player out there on the floor on, in Duran Sebron. I do think that the win that they wound up getting against Virginia Tech for NC State is going to be able to catapult the team a little bit. I do take a look at Clemson. I just think that there's going to be regression that's going to be coming in for the three-point shooting of this team. You take a look at Clemson, and they have been absolutely tremendous from three-point range. And it's not like they're going to be shooting like 28% from three-point range for the rest of the year or anything like that, but you just take a look at it. They're shooting 41.3% from three-point range, as in the top 10 in all of college basketball. You've really been able to get it from all the guys on this team. David Collins is able to shoot right around 45% from three, 12 points per game. Not very often that you see someone shoot 45% from three at 56% at the free throw line. He's been able to chip in there right around seven rebounds per game. This is a Clemson team in which you've got three guys that really do a good job on the glass. P.J. Hall was able to give you 14.5 points, six boards per game. Hunter Tyson, 12 points, six boards per game. And then Collins, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Nobody else gives you more than 3.4 rebounds per game. That's going to be a little bit of an issue. Now, NC State, they are very top-heavy with Sebron, who I mentioned a little bit earlier as well. He's been able to do nothing short of amazing work when it comes to this team. A guy that has been able to just fill it up with 20 points, right around three assists, a block, and a seal per game. Now, the one thing that he doesn't do is shoot the three. That has certainly been an issue for him, but that's why you've got Jericho Helms. Helms has been able to shoot just below 40% for three-point range. A good double-figure scorer. Now, Casey Marcel is back for NC State after he wanted missing some time due to injury. I don't think that you can be banking on him for doing much of anything. He's scored like a combined four points in the last two games that he's played in, so that's a little bit of an issue, but Terquavian Smith has really been able to emerge for this team. A guy that has been able to chip in there right around 14 and a half points per game, but you do take a look at what he's been able to do this season, and he's coming as a freshman, and he has been one of the more underrated guys when it comes to this freshman class in all of college basketball. Tyrese Hunter of Iowa State, I do think, is in that same vein as well, but after being a little bit of an afterthought to begin the season, things really took off since the beginning of the month of December against Louisville. You take a look at him, and he has scored 14-plus points in every one of these games in the last eight games. A total of 19 points per game, four boards, one and a half steals per game, shooting 41.5% for three-point range. Sebron needed a little bit of help. He now has it with Smith being able to step up for this team. You don't necessarily have the world's greatest depth, but Ebenezer Duana is able to give you right around five rebounds per game. I do think that NC State should be able to take this one with NC State. This is a team that they're looking to play a little bit more up-tempo. Clemson has just been really efficient in general. This is a Clemson bunch of, when it comes to points on a per-possession basis, one of the best teams in all of college basketball. I do think that with this being a little bit of an earlier tip, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, that the shots may not be falling very early for Clemson. And NC State is the team that they have been very hit or miss when it comes to the three-point shooting as well. Very good at not turning the ball over. With regards to turnovers on a per-possession basis, NC State in the top 15 in all of college basketball, but they've been playing pretty much even up on the glass as well. They don't necessarily do the world's greatest job of being able to give themselves second and third chances without giving out one up on the other end. And for NC State, they do shoot right around 31.5% from three-point range as a collective that ranks 259th in the country. So I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue. It's an NC State team that they do get up shots, but they don't necessarily get up the world's greatest shots. But I do think that they're going to be able to get it done against a Clemson team that you've really got 
Not a lot of depth when it comes to this team. I do think that Sebron is going to be the best player out there on the floor. So I'm taking a look at NC State, willing to lay up to a deuce here. And with setting my total more around a 138, I'm going to be taking a look at an under as well. So we've got that one dialed up for the early slate. Now that we've hit a early slate game, how about if we repay it with a little bit of a game in the later slate? We've got to hit on someone that we have yet to. And how about we stay in the ACC? 71-72, Florida State is going to be playing also Louisville. Louisville finding themselves anywhere between a 4.5 and a 5-point underdog. And you're telling this game, it is 138.5. And when it comes to Louisville, I'm just not very bullish on this team. Now, the good news for this team, Mason Faulkner has been able to give this team 10-plus points in three of the last four games. Wanda coming in from Western Carolina got a little bit of a late start. So him being able to emerge, I think is very good for this team. And I do like what you're able to get out of Malik Williams, the guy that's been able to chip in their 8.5 rebounds per game. But you take a look at Louisville, you've got one guy that's averaging more than 10 points per game. And I mean, it's been relatively solid as to what you've been able to get out of Noah Locke with his 11.5 points per game, shooting 36% from three-point range. But this is not a team that necessarily lights it up from three-point range. Meanwhile, you take a look at this Florida State bunch, and I do think that the Seminoles are going to do a good job of being able to turn over the Louisville Cardinals. Louisville committing right around 13.5 to 14 turnovers per game. And got to mention this with Louisville, Samuel Williamson. How has this guy never taken off? I mean, he's got all the physical attributes. He's got all the talent in the world. He's averaging like six and a half points or five and a half rebounds per game. It's just been a big giant plus a Rooney for the Louisville Cardinals. But I take a look at the Seminoles. They generate right around 10 and a half seals per game. That's in the top 15 in all of college basketball. But the thing with them is that they've been committing right around 14 turnovers per game. That has been very costly. But Caleb Mills has been able to give the team double figures in four out of the last five games. Keep in mind, he was actually the preseason American Athletic Conference Player of the Year last season while he was at Houston. A Houston team that without him want to make it the Final Four, which I find to be a little bit hilarious. But Anthony Polite has been politely being able to give this team nine points, five rebounds, three assists per game. And you just got that with this Florida State team. They've got a lot of versatility. Seems like everyone is like between six foot six and six foot ten, able to guard all five positions. All these guys. They shoot approximately 33 to 37% from three. If you're above 37% from three, you've got to miss a few shots. If you're below 33%, you sort of get like that bell of shame from Game of Thrones. So that's the way that things wind up working out when you wind up having a team that is coached by our good friend, Leonard Hamilton. But I do think that Matthew Cleveland, a guy that has been really coming off the bench this season, has been a little bit banged up, wound up missing a game earlier this season. He's going to be able to continue to emerge as the season has won along. The big thing is he just has available various three-point shots. He's shooting literally 7.7% from three-point range, but a guy that ever since the turn of the new year and being a little bit banged up has given the team approximately 13 points in each of the last two games, so he's been able to do a good job there. His rebounding seems to be improving, so I think that that's going to be very big after he was a top 25 recruit in the class of 2021, was not necessarily living up to that billing until now, and then you've got Raquan Evans as well. Someone who's been able to get the team right around seven points per game hasn't necessarily been great from three-point range, but that's why you've got Malik Osborne shooting 45% from three, 12 points, seven rebounds per game. I think that Louisville going to be up against it in this one, so I do take a look at this spot, and I think that it's a very good one for this Florida State team. Florida State, I'm willing to lay a little bit of a bigger number in this spot with Florida State. I'd be willing to go up to more like a six in this game. And when it comes to this total, I do wind up setting it at a 136 half. Louisville has been playing very slow. Florida State, not necessarily the most efficient team in the world with all their turnovers. So I'm going to be taking a look at an under and I'm looking to lay it here with Florida State. How about if we go to the other school out there in the state of Florida, 783-784. Gators of Florida hit the road to face off against Auburn. Auburn opened up a nine-point favorite. We have seen a dip in this one. Anywhere between seven and a half is eight is where you're finding Auburn 
and your total on this game, you're getting anywhere between a 141.5 and, and a 142. I'm in lockstep with this line move because I want to blind this up at 7.5 personally. At 7.5, I'd be willing to take the points with Florida, Florida before I'd be willing to lay them. Certainly, I'd be rather looking at an 8 right now if you wanted missing the opener of 9 because I felt like 9 was a very good number on Florida because I mean, while Walker Kessler gives you 4 blocks per game for this Auburn team, a guy that has been trying to range out and shoot 3s at size. Forte, though, he's more down low. Colin Castleton. He's able to give this Florida team right around two and a half blocks per game. Florida has been one of the better teams at being able to guard with regards to the interior and the paint in all of college basketball. The big thing with Florida is that they only shoot about 31% from three-point range. Meanwhile, with Auburn, they've really got Jalen Smith. They've really got Jabari Smith going. Smith has been shooting right around 45% from three-point range, 15 points per game. If you ask me, he deserves to be a top seven guy when it comes to the player of the year race. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of some of the other guys that have come into this backcourt as well. Except Jasper has been able to give you right around three assists per game. He's been able to do a good job there. Wendell Green, who comes in from Eastern Kentucky, has been soft with regards to three-point shooting. He's been able to give out three-plus assists as well. So I do think that that is relatively solid for the team. I did want him setting my total at a 147. So I'm going to be taking a look at an over. We're going to be dying a little bit of a boat around this game. And just hitting a couple other games I like in college basketball. Give me my... New York Post play of the day and taking a look at Saturday's NFL action as well in the final segment of the Greg Peterson experience next right here on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my day. day. <laughs> <laughs> Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game Big Band special provides VSIN all access to everything we do now through April 5th. 
and this is for just $69. Sign up now, and you'll be able to get our daily best bets emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming big game, and college hoops betting guide, plus full access to vcin.com with our exclusive betting splits, breaking down every single game. It is the most exciting betting season thus far, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal be able to sign up now as it is the Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Thing Network. This is the last segment for myself, but I have no fear. Here on VSIN, we've got you covered wall to wall. You've got point spread weekly that's going to be coming up at 5 a.m. Pacific time. Femi Obafe and company are going to get you all hyped up for what is going to be a big Saturday. We've got NFL and college basketball. Unfortunately, no college football. That is going to be on Monday with the granddaddy of them all. That's not the Rose Bowl, but the national title game. So we're going to have some fun there. But when it comes to it, got a lot of games to be able to bet on. And I was sitting upon one of those. Don't worry. I'll get up to the New York Post pick in a minute or two. But got to tie a bow around the game that we were breaking down on the other side. This Auburn versus Florida game. Like I said, Florida at the opener of nine, I thought was really good value here at eight to seven half. I still think that there's a little bit, but it's starting to wane a little bit. The big thing for Florida is, are they going to be able to hit a couple of three-point shots? You've got Marion Jones, who's been able to do a relatively okay job, and Fladarius Fleming has been able to give the team double figures. When it comes to this Auburn team, though, they have been one of the more efficient defenses in all of college basketball, if you take a look at them recently. So I do think that that is something that plays a little bit of a factor in it. I do think that Auburn should be able to win this game. I just don't think that they're going to be able to cover quite this big of a number because you do take a look at Auburn and they are 131st in the country with regards to allowing the three-point shot, which is a little bit of an issue. When it comes to Auburn, though, I do think that they should be able to put up a bunch of points. KD Johnson, they will get the same 12 points per game now. Alan Flanagan was the top returning scorer from last year. Wound up returning for two games. Did not wind up playing in that game against South Carolina, so got to figure that there might be a little bit of an ailment there, but they haven't really needed him all season long. I don't think that they're going to need him in this game, but here at a 7.5 to 8, going to be taking a look at the points with regards to Florida, and when it comes to total, set my total more around about a little bit of a higher, like 147, 147.5, so I do think that there's a little bit of value here on the over to go along with to go along with Florida at pretty much 7.5 or greater. The New York Post play, wound up mentioning this in hour number two, but we're going to refresh it right now. Baylor TCU, 7.19, 7.20. Right now, you're finding TCU anywhere between a 9 to a 10-point underdog. Your total on this game, you're getting it at a 142 to a 142.5. Mostly seeing 9.5s out there right now, so in between the high and the low of the market, but when it comes to TCU, I think that they're going to be able to hold in this game with TCU. This is the top rebound rate team with regards to offensive rebounds in all of college basketball. Over 40.5% of missed shots by TCU get an offensive rebound. Chuck O'Bannon has been able to step up for the TCU team. He's shooting 41% from three-point range. You've got a TCU bunch at each of your top four scores. Give you at least a seal per game. Now, Baylor, they do a great job of being able to force turnovers as well. With regards to turnovers force on a per-possession basis, they do rank in the top 10 in all of college basketball. Now, you take a look at what you're able to get out of this Baylor team down low. Jonathan Chamachacha was able to give you right around seven rebounds per game. He's been the energizer bunny. And then you take a look at your top three scores. Ken O'Brown, LJ Cryer, along with James Akinjo. They combined to be able to give you about 38 to 39 points per game. All these guys shoot at least 40% from three-point range, including Brown and... LJ Cryer shooting 45.5% from three-point range. So these guys have been very solid on that side of things. But when it comes to Baylor, 
free throw shooting. I think it's going to cost a lot of betters a lot of money this year. They rank in the bottom 100 with regards to free throw shooting percentage. James Akinjo, he's been turning the ball over quite a bit, right around three and a half turnovers per game. That is a little bit of an issue with TCU. It has been a while since the team wound up playing. They haven't played since Christmas, but I do think that they're going to be able to do a relatively solid job. We got guys like Francisco Farabello, who I think are going to be able to do a good job. We'll be able to lend a little bit of depth. Xavier Cork, who winds up coming in from Western Carolina. He's been able to give the team a couple of rebounds per game as well. And then Mike Miles is an energizer bunny out there in the backcourt, a guy that's able to give you right around 16 points per game. He does a good job of being able to run a very efficient offense with TCU. So we're taking a look at TCU with the New York Post play today. I'm going to be taking a look at the points. Don't think that TCU is able to do it outright. I don't think the number one lines of going down here, but getting between nine and a half and 10, I think is very solid value. I set this line at five. So that's why I wound up dishing out. And with Baylor, I mean, it's a team that with regards to defensive efficiency, which is just merely the points that you allow on a per possession basis. I do think that they are going to be able to do a good job of keeping this game under as they rank in the top 10 with that category. And TCU has been very solid, especially in Fort Worth. So taking a look at the points with the New York Post for the day. And I'm going to be taking a look at an under as well as we've got a fancy new graphic right here on VSEN. I like it. Whoever wanted up doing this, they get a gold star and an A plus for the day on that. You also get a gold star and an A plus. We're just taking a look at everything that we've got in college basketball as well, because it is going to be a very rambunctious day. It is going to be a very fun day. How about if we take a look at the Egg Bowl? 789, 790 on the betting board. You've got Ole Miss, and they're going to be playing with Mississippi State. Mississippi State is finding themselves as a three to three and a half point favorite, and your total on this game is anywhere between 129 and 129.5. You do have an Ole Miss team that has been dealing with a couple guys that have been out due to health and safety protocols, but it's not necessarily too bad if you want to take a look at their game that they wound up having against Tennessee. You could tell that the real big thing was the fact that Jarkel Joyner was out, and that was due to having a little bit of a back issue. So that was something that was just completely unrelated to just about anything in general when it comes to Jarkel Joyner. It's going to be a case in which I do think that he's probably going to be out for this game once again, but with that said, you do want to be checking in on his status. He is right now dealing with a back injury, and back injuries are just things that you don't want to be messing with, but you do take a look at this Mississippi State team. They now have two loose Smith back in the fold, and I think that that's a bigger deal. A guy that's been able to give the team eight rebounds, right around 12 points per game, and what I think is big for Mississippi State, this is a team that they actually do a great job of being able to kick things up tempo. They rank in the top 45 with regards to possessions per game. Ole Miss is playing a little bit more slowly under Kermit Davis. They've been doing a better and better job on defense, but with Mississippi State, Garrison Brooks has been able to give you right around six half boards. He's able to give you 12 points per game. Iverson Molinar, Iverson Molinar, who wound up shooting 44% from three last year. He's only shot 29% from three, but has an assist or turnover ratio of three. So he's been very efficient for this team. And then Jamin Brakefield on the flip side for Ole Miss has been able to do a good job being able to give you nine points per game. Now, I think the nice year, Brooks, going to be able to hold up at the point of attack down low for this Ole Miss team, a guy that's able to give you seven rebounds per game. But for Mississippi State, this has been a team that's done a good job with regards to their rebound rate all season long. They do a relatively solid job of being able to cut things off from the inside with Ole Miss. This is not a good three-point shooting team, especially with Joyner dealing with ailments. I did wind up seeing this total at a 134, though. I do think that you wind up seeing some late game falling in. It's really hard to have a total this low when you do wind up having a Mississippi State team that they do play at the tempo that they do wind up playing at because, I mean, this is a Mississippi State team that I think that they're going to do a relatively solid job of just being able to 
get their tempo a little bit more in this game. Ole Miss, they're a little bit more of an up-tempo team. When it comes to Mississippi State, I think that's going to be really intriguing to see what you wind up having with regards to some of the ancillary pieces because I mean, Rocket Watts is someone that we thought was really going to be able to take off for the team. Rocket Watts hasn't necessarily done a lot, but you take a look at what you've been able to get out of someone like a Shaquem Moore, and he's been able to get the team right around 11 to 12 points per game. I think that he's really been the big transfer addition when it comes to the team. So I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that Mississippi State is going to be able to cover this summer. I think that you wind up getting some late game following. you got a Mississippi State team that they shoot above 70% at the free throw line. Ole Miss, not necessarily too bad at the free throw line either. So I take a look at this spot, take a look at the over, and I'm going to be taking a look at Mississippi State set them as a four-point favorite, so more than willing to lay the three here. And I wanted pitting upon these a little bit earlier, but here's what we've all got on the NFL for this Saturday. We've got a pair of games. Don't worry when it comes to the Greg Peterson experience for Sunday. We are going to be hitting all the Sunday games in there, so the final hour is pretty much going to be dedicated to the NFL. I'll give you guys picks and analysis on as many games as humanly possible, but here for the Saturday, we're going to be going with one favorite and one underdog and one over and one under. In the early game between the Broncos and the Chiefs, I personally want to take an 11. We're mostly seeing now 10.5 in the market. I still like the 10.5 with the Denver Broncos. I do take a look at this spot, and I think that it's going to be very good to the under with regards to the Broncos. Out of their 16 games this season, they have played 12 unders. You've got Drew Locke who's going to be out there. I think that Drew Locke is going to be able to do an okay job, especially without having all of his pieces like Jared Judy and company. I think that Tim Patrick is a little bit of an underrated piece for the Denver Broncos team as well. Broncos have been a little bit shaky when it comes to the run game and for the Kansas City Chiefs have been able to pick up their offense recently but they're going up against a Broncos team that has one of the better secondaries that you're going to find. That secondary is a tad bit banged up but the front seven I still think is going to be able to get some good pressure on Patrick Mahomes so I do take a look at the Broncos being at home being January, I think that they're going to be able to hold up on their home field. Don't know if they pull it off outright, but very willing to take 11 to 10 and a half here. And I'm going to be taking a look at the under. And when it comes to the other game, Cowboys versus Eagles, you do have a couple skill guys that are going to be out on both sides in this one. The Eagles are really bereft of talent when it comes to the ground game with having all their guys out. And you do have out of the fold, Michael Gallup for the Dallas Cowboys. But when it comes to the Eagles, they're dealing with injuries on that front seven. The Cowboys, bunch of injuries in the secondary. I think that's going to bode well for the over. And I do think that Dak Prescott is going to do a good job of mixing and matching with his wide receivers. So, willing to lay the four here. And what else I'm willing to do? Listen to Beeson all day long. Great analysis is coming with you. Starting with point spread Saturday. That is going to be starting at 5 a.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern. Right here on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free at- 